Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Last week, of course, Pastor David did an incredible job, as always. Thank you, Pastor David. Uh, And if you've been following along in this series, we're now in part, I think, 26, maybe 27 uh, of the series of the book of Acts. So back at the very beginning, if you remember uh, in Acts chapter 1, remember what Jesus said to his followers. He said that, uh, that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my what? My witnesses in all the earth, beginning in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. Well, as you read through the book of Acts, well, that's exactly what happened. That, of course, the early believers, Peter, uh, eventually Paul and others, uh, they, they, they got filled with the Holy Spirit and they went on mission for God. And how many of y'all know that's what we're called to do today? We are called to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be on mission for God. And so what we see in the text week after week after week is that, well, let's talk about Paul. Paul was on mission for Jesus. Paul went on missionary travels and he spread the word of God wherever he went. Well, last week, Pastor David highlighted this. Paul wanted to go into Asia. Paul thought Asia was the next logical place to minister the word of God. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit forbade Paul and his companions from going into Asia. And so we're told in the text in Acts chapter 16 that, that Paul came to this place called Troas. Everybody say Troas. And it was in Troas where the Apostle Paul had a vision. He had a vision, ultimately it was from God, but this was a vision of a man of Macedonia calling Paul to go westward to help him, okay? And so there's this vision that Paul has by night, and and Paul sees this vision. He didn't know where to go really next. God already told him no about a couple places, but now, now, now Paul has clarity, Now Paul knows that he and his companions, they got to go west to Macedonia, which is a a district. It's a region. And really this invitation was, was this man basically saying to Paul, I want you, Paul, to come over here onto European soil to preach the word. And I'm so glad that Paul responded. As we're going to see today, because, listen, because of Paul's obedience... Countless people got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and changed forever because of his obedience to go. And I want you to see, God didn't give him all the details to this vision. God just gave him this vision of a man of Macedonia saying, come and help. How many of y'all know there are people all around us who are saying, come and help? How many of y'all know there are people all around you who need some help? Let me ask that again. How many of y'all know there are people all around you who need some help? And you say, God helped them. And God said, I'm going to help them by sending you. How many of y'all know that we can be the answer to other people's prayers? But we have to obey the vision that God has given us to go. To go wherever he says to go. To speak whatever he says to speak. To trust that he knows exactly what he's doing. How many of y'all know God always knows what he's doing? And his ways don't always make sense to us, but his ways are always higher. They're always better and bigger. How many of y'all know we just have to trust the Lord? 
Listen, if you, if you don't get anything else from this message, get this. Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding and always acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. I didn't say easy. I said straight. Listen, be obedient to the Lord. And that's what Paul and his traveling companions did. They were obedient to the Lord. It wasn't his plan necessarily to go into Troas and then to go into ultimately Macedonia. But that's where the spirit led Paul and others. So let's pick it up today in Acts chapter 16, verses 11 through 15. I want you to lean in carefully and closely and, and, and look at this passage with me and all the details. And I'm going to unpack this and there's going to be so much that God's going to say to you all. So let's pick it up here. Verse 11. Here's what Luke tells us. So setting sail from Troas, we, that's Luke, Paul, Silas, and Timothy made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis. And from there, if you have your Bible, circle this word from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. Listen to me carefully. Listen to the text. Underline this if you don't mind. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Verse 15. After she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And Luke says, and she prevailed upon us. Now, let me unpack what's going on here. Here we are told that Paul, Luke, Silas and Timothy reached this city in Macedonia called Philippi. Now, if you're taking notes, write this down because all these details help us make sense of this passage and all the application that I'm going to bring later. Philippi was a city, once again, in Macedonia, and the city was named, I should say renamed after Philip of Macedon, Alexander the Great's father. And so Philippi was an important city in the ancient world. Philippi was a, a military outpost in the ancient world. Philippi did not have many Jews at all. There was no synagogue in town. There was no place where 10 or more male Jews gathered to pray and read the Torah and so forth. And so Paul and his companions, they, they reached Philippi, which is in Macedonia, of course, and they're looking for a place to pray. So there's no place within the city. So they go outside the gates to the riverside, and there they found some women praying. Now listen, most of the time when we hear about people praying, it's usually a group of women. Come on, ladies, thank you for praying. Uh, Sonny, the prayer team, there's some men on there too. How many of y'all, you believe you're here today because you had a praying mama? There's some praying grandmamas and some women praying for you. Thank you, ladies, for being obedient to pray. Now, men, we're called to come alongside, but here, here, Paul and the others, they find this group of women praying. And there was one woman in particular that, that Paul ministered to, and her name was what? You remember? Lydia. Lydia. Now, we're told in the story that, that Lydia was a worshiper of God. Uh, she believed in the God of Israel. She was there 
praying. And Lydia was a seller of purple. Now, if you're taking notes, write this down. Purple was expensive in the ancient culture, in the ancient communities that, that they ministered in. As a matter of fact, purple was the color of royalty. Come on, LSU. So she sold purple linen, purple goods, and, 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 and as we can imagine, probably made a lot of money selling her purple, purple linens. And so this woman was a worshiper of God. She sold LSU paraphernalia. Uh, she, she made a lot of money. And we're told that Paul ministered to her. But listen to what the text says once again. It says that, and she opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul was saying. No, no, it's not what it says, does it? What does it say? The Lord opened her heart so that she could pay attention to what Paul was saying. Now, I don't know why people fight this and resist this. We, we say today, well, Lord, we open our hearts to you. And there's nothing wrong with saying that. But Luke tells us that the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul was saying. Listen to me. If you're paying attention to what I'm saying today, if you're picking up what I'm laying down and truly getting it, not just as information, but as true revelation, it's because God is helping you to do that. Do you understand that if you're saved today, it's not because like you jumped up in your flesh apart from God and said, I believe. If you're saved today, it's because you were in a discipleship group or you were at Starbucks or you were wherever someone shared the gospel to, to you and, and, and the Lord opened your heart and you did what? You, you believe like you had to do something like you had to believe. But how many of y'all know it's the Lord who opens the heart? It's the Lord who does that miracle inside of you. He initiates it, not you. Are y'all with me? It's right here in the text. And the Lord opened her. So, so we, we read about all these details about Lydia and she's not really the point of my message today. But, but, but I want you to see here that, that like this is good stuff. Like as I'm reading this account and as I read it this last week, like I'm like, man, this is this is awesome. Like this is easy ministry. Paul goes, there's a place of prayer, there's a woman there, other women, the Lord opens her heart. And not only does Lydia get saved, the Bible says that she and her household get saved and what? Get baptized. Like, come on, y'all. It doesn't get any better than that. Think about it. She, she gets baptized, her whole household, and then she invites Paul and his companions to come into her house to stay. I mean, right here on the spot, she's like, listen, thank you for all that, Paul. Come on in. I'm going to cook y'all a gumbo. We're going to turn on Caleb, and we're going to sit on the back porch. We're going to talk about God all night long. Lydia had her first discipleship group in the same chapter, not six months later, but in the same event. Isn't that amazing? Are y'all with me? I told you I'm giving you a lot of details today. We're going to build this. We're going to take off. But watch this. It's at Lydia's house later that we read about Paul and, and the others enjoying her hospitality. And all the stories I'm sure that were told were, were incredible. It was a time of great encouragement. So it doesn't get any better than this. And as, as I'm reading this, I'm like, okay, Lord, if that's, if, that's what, if that's what ministry is like, if that's what it means to be used by God, sign me up. Here am I, Lord, send me to Macedonia, send me to all the Lydia's in the world. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, if it's that easy, if I just have to go and Lord, you're going to do the work and then people are going to invite me to their homes. I mean, come on. How many of y'all know that's easy? How many of y'all know we should all want to sign up for that type of vision for our lives? But how many of y'all know this is just one story among many? 
Because as we continue to read, what we're about to see is that ministry in Macedonia was a mess. Let's read what Paul, uh, what he does here in this next encounter. Luke tells us that there's another female that needs ministry. And here's what he tells us happened at Philippi, Acts 16, 16 through 18. As we were going to the place of prayer, to the where? Yeah. We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And I love what Luke says. And it came out that very hour. Mm-hmm. Now watch this. Luke, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, place of prayer. Ministry just happened. Lydia gets saved. But now they're met by this slave girl who, write this down, she had a spirit of divination. A spirit of divination. You say, what's that? Just write it down. I'm going to unpack this. I looked this up in my Greek New Testament. Uh, the Greek terms penuma punthona literally means spirit of divination or write this down. Spirit of python. She had the spirit of, say it with me, of python. If you're taking notes, write this next part down as well. She had a spirit of ventriloquism. Now, we all know what a, what a ventriloquist is, don't we? You ever seen them? YouTube it. YouTube it later if you haven't. But you got the guy or the gal, and, and who holds the what? The dummy, the puppet. And, and we know, right? It's for entertainment purposes, but the, 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 the ventriloquist holds the, the puppet, and the, the, the puppet's mouth speaks. And the ventriloquist does what? Projects his words onto and through the mouth of the, of the puppet, right? So the puppet's going like that. The, the mouth is moving. Words are being projected onto the puppet, through the puppet. And so the, the ventriloquist is doing it, but his or her lips are, are what? It's amazing how their lips do not move. They're, they're like stationary, but the sounds are being projected from deep within. And those sounds come out in the form of words through the puppet. Now, today this is done for entertainment purposes. And in most cases, ventriloquism is totally harmless. But I did some research. You say, of course you did, Pastor Scott. The concept and practice of ventriloquism goes all the way back to the Greeks. Listen carefully. It was believed, even before the days of Paul, that certain individuals would speak because of of words and syllables that were given from the dead or from spirits. That the Greek god Apollo would give words to a certain individual and those words would be delivered to the person's stomach, we say today, from deep within. And then those words would come out and as those words came out by the help of the spirit from within, that person was able to predict the future. Are y'all picking this up? So ventriloquism today is harmless, but it started with this idea of a demon taking over someone and then using that person as a puppet or a dummy. 
And so in this case, this slave girl is being used, watch this, by a demon. She's the dummy. She's the puppet. The demon is using her. And when she spoke, her lips are moving. You heard her like you're listening to her like that's her. But it wasn't really her. It was the spirit at work from within her giving her words to speak, telling people's future. Now, I don't know what you call that, but where I come from, I call that messed up. Are y'all with me? From deep within, people say, I'm just following my heart from what's deep within. You have to be careful because sometimes what's deep within can be a demon deep within giving people words and, and ideas and uh, even prophecies about their lives. And so we're told here that this, this girl has a spirit of divination. It's the spirit of Python. And the spirit squeezed this girl, so to speak, where there wasn't anything left of her, but it was now the demon speaking through her. What? I got this vision to go to Macedonia. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to minister to rich, rich women, people, women who, you know, this one woman who sells purple, you know, LSU paraphernalia, and I'm going to go to her home and I'm going to eat and all these incredible. Listen, it was a mess in Macedonia. Here in Philippi, he came across this girl who had a spirit of divination. And, and listen to me, people were coming from all over to sit at her feet. Listen, they paid money to this girl so that they could receive counsel from a demon. Think about that for just a second. How many of y'all know you have to be very careful who you take advice from? Because you can see someone speaking and it looks like them. It is them. It sounds like their words in a sense it is. But how many of y'all know that the devil is still using people as dummies and puppets to speak through them? And you have to test the spirits. You've got to test the message. And just because it sounds good doesn't mean that it is good. How many of y'all know we have to know the word of God so that when people speak, we can run those words through the word of God and discern whether it's from heaven or hell. Are y'all with me? We have to be discerning. Because I see people's mouths moving and I hear their words, but oftentimes it's not their words. It's, it's a demon using them to communicate his agenda. Are y'all picking this up? So people came from all over to hear this girl who had owners. She was owned by others and they made money off this girl as she attempted to tell people their future. Listen to me carefully. We live in a spiritual world. Oftentimes people think, well, I'm going to go to church and be spiritual. I'm going to open my Bible and be spiritual. Listen to me. We live in a spiritual world. There is the seen realm and there is the unseen realm. And let me help y'all. The unseen realm is just as real as the seen realm. And there are demonic influences all around us. And you've got to be so careful who you take advice from. So people today will go to, uh, to psychics to learn about the future. People will go to palm readers and say, tell me my future. And, and I get it. I get it. Like, I, I wish that I knew certain things about my future. I don't want to know everything. I'll, I have faith. And when I get there, I'll deal with it then. How many of y'all are with me? You know, how, how about death itself? I'm not trying to be morbid, but how many of y'all are afraid to die? Like you're, you're scared of death? Oh, come on, y'all. Y'all are bold as lions. I get it. 
Of course you are. Is there a sense in me that I'm afraid of death? Yes. Why? Because well, I've never done that before, you know? <laughs> but how many of y'all know we serve the one who died to live to tell about it? His name is Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So listen, listen. I'm, I'm, I'm building this. Watch this. You've got to be so careful who you listen to. People go to palm readers. Tell me my future. And, and I get the impulse to want to do that. People want to know what's coming up so that they can prepare, so that they can make sense out of their lives. But listen to me carefully. The only one you should consult about your future is God and God alone. And listen to me. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you want to know your future, don't look to the palms of your hands. Look at the palms of Jesus' hands. Look to Jesus who stretched out his hands on a Roman cross, the one who bled for you, the one who died for you, the one who came to set you free. Look to him. Look to his palms and his palms will show you that he loves you. And I promise if you're in Jesus, you're in good hands. And that doesn't mean your life is going to be easy, but it does mean that your life has meaning and purpose. It means that God has an agenda for you. And at times it's difficult. At times you're going to be walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Oftentimes you're going to receive a, a vision like a man of Macedonia. And it's going to be great at first, but when you get into it, you're going to find that it's just one big mess. But thank God, God is the God of the mess. In the midst of our mess, God works miracles, does signs and wonders, and will glorify himself in your mess. I'm talking about the mess in Macedonia of your life. So what we see here is that under the influence of a demon, this girl was making her owners lots of money. And she lied about a lot of things. You can just imagine all the fairy tales she told. All the things from demonic help that she projected onto people and to their future. But there is one thing she said that was absolutely correct. She went around saying, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. She got that right, didn't she? Here's what I want you to see. It sounded like she was on the same page as Paul, Silas, Luke, and Timothy. It sounds like she's going around saying, hey, these, these are the guys who proclaim the way of salvation. It seems like they're on the same page. But how many of y'all know there was a, the Holy Spirit lived in Paul and Silas, but there was an unholy spirit in her. It sounded like they were on the same page, but in reality, they were on completely different pages. So what was she doing? She was saying this in order to mock them. In order to scorn them, walking around basically making fun of Paul and the gang. And I love what it says here that, that after many days, Paul turned around and the, the text said he got greatly annoyed. And he turned around and he commanded the spirit to come out. And the spirit came out that very hour. Now, I love this. It says Paul became greatly annoyed. Oftentimes today we talk about, well, I don't want to be annoyed. You know, we think that being annoyed is being unchristian. And there are times when, when you're annoyed, you get annoyed at things you shouldn't get annoyed at. But how many, how many of y'all know, oftentimes there are things in our lives that, that we should be annoyed at, but we make peace with. As a matter of fact, there are some things in your life that perhaps you should have cast out a long time ago. 
But, 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 but you got to get to that point where, where you get annoyed enough to be like Paul, to say to the sin, to say to the darkness, to say to, to the demonic influence in your life, be gone in Jesus' name. You got to get to that point where you say, I'm tired of this. Am I the only one that ever gets tired of, of the demonic bullying people? Am I the only one? I feel like today some Christians, like, they, they get annoyed at things they shouldn't be annoyed at. But come on, if there's anyone we should be annoyed with, it's the devil. How many of y'all know God never commands us to be kind and patient and long-suffering to the devil? He doesn't ask us to counsel the devil, to show compassion to the devil. God commands us in Jesus' name to cast out the devil. And we're walking around just playing like we're in this natural world. I'm good, you're good, we go to church Sunday. No, we live in a demonic world, a fallen world filled with demonic influence. But here we are as the people of God with the name of Jesus. And how many of y'all know when Paul used the name, things happened? But Paul didn't just use the name, he was submitted to the name. Listen to me, don't just use Jesus' name like some lucky charm. Use his name because you esteem the name, because you're submitted to the name, because you obey the name. And when you use that name, you can say to demonic influences in your life, be gone in Jesus' name. And the name of Jesus is the same today as it was back then. How many of y'all know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? And people say, well, that was back in Paul's day. I don't believe. Listen to me. This same devil... Who, who possessed people then, it's the same devil at work today in our lives. Same demons. Same God. Same power. Same authority. And we're putting up with things that we should have cast out a long time ago. Listen, you should walk into your house. You don't have to say it in these exact words. But if you're feeling oppression over your family, oppression over your children, demonic influence around you, just, just stay on me. I've done this in my own house. I am owned and operated by Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Nazareth. Devil, you have no place in this house. I am owned by Jesus. Jesus has authority over me. Jesus has authority over my family. So get that out. And you can say it. I don't, yeah. Get out. In Jesus' name, get your hands off my kids. Get your hands off my wife. Get your demonic influence. Get all your demons. Pack your bags and go because Jesus lives here. But you got to make sure that Jesus truly lives here because you can't cast out demons that you constantly give access to your life. And I'm afraid that we're doing that on a regular basis through different ways and different means. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, go. And he went. That demon went. Now, after the slave girl was freed of this demonic spirit, you might think that everyone would have been happy. Oh, praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I'm sure some were, but listen to what happened next. Acts 16, 19 through 24. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone. <laughs> this is messed up. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, that is the rulers, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. 
Verse 22, the crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them, that's Paul and Silas, and gave orders to beat them with rods. Now, just when you think you've had a bad day in the Lord, go read this passage. They were beaten with wooden rods. Verse 23, and when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Or you could translate this as securely. Having received this order, he, that is the jailer, put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now this is nuts. Paul and Silas are used mightily by the Lord. Paul ministers to Lydia, cast the devil out of the slave girl. But in doing so, in casting out this demon, now this girl is unable to make her owners any money. So now they don't need her anymore. It's amazing how the devil will use people for his purposes. You think by doing this, it's going to bring you pleasure. Really, it's just pain, and it's for his benefit, not yours. Isn't that true? They're using this girl. Indeed, she was a slave girl. But now their hope for making money is gone because she can't tell the future any longer. And so they, as we read, go before the magistrates, conjure up all kinds of accusations against Paul and the others, stirred up a big fuss. The crowd joins in. And we're told that the, the magistrates had Paul and Silas, watch, stripped probably completely naked. They were beaten with wooden rods. And then the magistrates told the jailer that he was to put Paul and Silas in the innermost part of the prison and to put their feet into wooden stocks so that they literally could not move. Now picture this with me. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? Picture Paul and Silas uh, bruised, bloodied, beaten, I'm running out of bees, bound in a dark prison cell in Macedonia. Think about how miserable they must have been. The irony of the story is that the slave girl gets set free, but Paul and Silas are now bound. Picture this. They're in a great deal of pain. They cannot move. And I don't know about y'all, but if I'd have been Silas, I would have looked over at Paul and said, vision, nice vision. Paul, next time you have a vision, keep it to yourself. You with me? But that's the American Pastor Scott Adams. But let's read what happens. Acts 16, 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were complaining and groaning to God. Let's see if y'all are paying attention. I've done that before and someone said, Amen! And I'm like, no. About midnight, Paul and Silas were what? Praying. Praying. And singing hymns 
to God. And the prisoners were listening. Listen to me. People are watching you as you go through trials. Unbelievers are watching you as you go through trials to see how you respond. Oh, you think it's just you and your personal relationship with the Lord? I promise it's not just that. It's nothing less than that. But it's way more than that. People are watching you as you walk through your pain. But it was at midnight, or about midnight. <laughs> They're what? Praying and singing hymns to God. Don't come up yet. Watch this. Think about this with me. Dark, gloomy, stinky prison cell. Two men beaten, bloodied, and bound. No worship team. No tray and alley. No air-conditioned building. No nice transitions from one thing to the next. No church service. Just pain. Just darkness. But it was in that context that Paul and Silas found a reason to praise God, to pray to God and to sing hymns to the Lord. Listen to me. I don't care what you're going through. I sympathize with you and I empathize with you. I do. But listen, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter how dark your life is. As a believer, you always have a reason to pray and to sing to the Lord, your God, who has delivered you from death, hell, and the grave. In every season, in every situation, you have a reason to sing. You've got a reason to praise God. The prisoners are astonished. But the story shows that they were able to do this. Pray and sing. Because their ultimate joy was not found in their physical freedom or in a pain-free life. Their ultimate joy was found in Jesus and in Him alone. And how many of y'all know Many of you by experience that no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, the pain is great, but the grace of God is greater in those situations. You didn't know how you were going to go through it, but it was the Lord, your God, who was by your side, who strengthened you along the way. He is the reason why you're here today. Without him, you wouldn't have made it. But because of him, you're here today. Can I get a witness? You know what I'm talking about because the Lord was by your side. They're praying, they're singing. We can say they're praising. And so Paul says this in another book, Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Now I love teaching you all the word of God. Listen to what he says. To the church at Philippi. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. For I've learned in whatever situation I am content to be content. He says, I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. Look, look at this. I have learned the secret, the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Verse 13. And Tim Tebow did not write this one either. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I don't know about y'all, but if there's a secret... 
to getting through this life, facing lack, facing having as much as I need and more, facing life. If there's a secret, who wants in on that secret? What's the secret? Well, Elizabeth Elliot says it this way, and I think she's exactly right. The secret, listen carefully, the secret is Christ in me, not me in another set of circumstances. Let me say it again. The secret is Christ in you, not you in another job, in another relationship, in another city, in another set of circumstances. Are those things bad? Not at all. But listen to me, I know a lot of people who are sitting in the palace. They are sitting with more money in their bank account than they know what to do with it, but, but spiritually they are bankrupt. And I know people who are impoverished have very little, but because they have Jesus, they are filthy, spiritually rich. And I say to the rich people, Praise God you got money, but don't place your trust in that money. That money will never make you content. Only Christ will make you content. Christ in you, in me, the hope of glory. So no matter what you have, if you got a lot, Christ in you, that's the secret. Christ gives you contentment. If you got a lot, if you got a little, in any and every circumstance that you go through, you've got Jesus, and I promise you, he's more than enough. If you don't believe me, just ask Paul and Silas. The secret of contentment is that if you have Christ, you already have everything you need. And listen, if you have Christ today and he has you, you got a reason to sing. Don't you? I'm down. I understand. I've been down before. You can get down, but the believer can't stay down. Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. You understand? Oh, it's only 10.03. I cut out a lot from my message because I thought this was going to go long. Let me end with this. I could have said a whole lot more. Does this make sense? Is this good? Listen to this. They're praying. They're singing. It's about midnight. This one happens next. Acts 16, verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. <laughs> I love this. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. <laughs> now this is awesome. The place shook. Chains, so to speak, broke. Paul and Silas are free to go. Now, what would you have done? If your feet were unfastened and you were free to go, what would you have done? I'll tell you what Scott Adams would have done. I would have been, I would have gotten in my car and peeled out of there. My first century car. <laughs> if Paul, you know, if Paul had a car, you know it would have been a Cadillac, right? <laughs> That's for the charismatics. Anyway, check it out. <laughs> they stayed. Free to go. They stayed. Why didn't they leave? 
because there was a, a man of Macedonia who needed to be ministered to. Acts 16, beginning in verse 27, says, When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, commit suicide, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Verse 28, But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in. And let me tell you, when he called for the lights, the light came in Paul. Rushed in, trembling with fear, fell down before Paul and Silas. Verse 30, then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, be, be, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And the jailer took them the same hour of the night, washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and his family. Verse 34, then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Now I've gone very slowly today because I want you to see this beautiful picture painted by Paul. Painted by Luke as he tells the story. Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia. Paul got the vision, saw the vision. He obeyed the vision. He went west with his companions, ministered to Lydia, ministered to the slave girl, found himself with Silas in a prison cell with the opportunity to minister to a man of Macedonia. The chains break. Paul could have left, but they stayed and ministered life to this jailer. Listen to me. Of all the places in the world where you would think that somebody would get saved. Listen to me. The Philippian jail cell or prison house, that would be the last on my list. Paul and Silas had to go through pain and suffering, could have left at any point because they were Roman citizens and bypassed all of the suffering, but they remained in prison even after they were freed to be able to minister life to this Philippian jailer, but not just to him, but to his entire household. How many of y'all know? Only God can think of that. But Paul had to be obedient to the vision. Miss Michelle Aranza says it this way, you never know what's on the other side of your obedience. Let me say it a different way. You never know who is on the other side of your obedience.